What an incredible journey we've been taking on tonight, moving through that Friday that we call good. Uh, You've come tonight to our Good Friday service, and it's sort of strange that we call it good after the journey we've been on, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of like, why do we call that good? I mean, the cross was this place of unimaginable torture. It was the most barbaric form of execution one could even imagine. It was so terrible that there was a word invented specifically for it, excruciating. Sounds like crucifixion, excruciating, and it means from the cross. That's how terrible it was. And so why do we call it good? You know, I hope tonight when you leave, you understand that the cross, it wasn't this, as bad as it was, it wasn't this place of humiliating defeat for Jesus. It it was this place of terrific triumph for Jesus and not just Jesus, but all who believe in him. Tonight we're going to talk about on the fact, on the fact that on the cross, Christ triumphed over Satan. He, he triumphed over sin, and he triumphed for his saints, for all uh, those who believe. And first, I, I want us to think about how Christ triumphed over Satan. In Luke 23, 33, it says, when they came to the place that is called the skull, There they crucified him, and the criminal, the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus entered Jerusalem on Sunday to shouts of praise. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Palm leaves thrown in his pathway, everybody clearing a path, people throwing uh, their garments in his way. I mean, making way for uh, the king, making way for the one they thought was going to deliver them from all the oppression of the Romans. And their Messiah had come, but he wouldn't be the Messiah that they necessarily thought he was. That was on Sunday. He would enter into Jerusalem with shouts of praise, but then on Friday, he would walk out of the gate of Jerusalem, through the streets, and out of the gate carrying a cross. Carrying a cross to a place called the skull, where executions took place of the most hardened criminals, and they crucified them very publicly uh, to make an example so that people would walk by and see them. And it was, not only, uh, a hum- it was not only torture, it was humiliating. But before Jesus ever got to the cross, uh, on Thursday night, uh, he uh, endured all night torture. He was trumped up uh, unjustly, on, uh, uh, I mean tried on trumped up charges uh, unjustly. Uh, he, was, he was, the next morning he was beaten, he was flogged. They, they would tie his body to a whipping post and take a cat of nine tails, 
which was a, a cruel torture instrument where you would take a, a, a stick or a rod and it had long strips of leather with pits of bone and metal or whatever they could find uh, tied to the ends of that cat of nine tails and they would whip you across the back and it had many whips coming out and uh, flesh would fly as the, 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 the implements within the leather would stick into the skin. That's how they were designed and they would rip and pull the skin off of the body. Over and over and over and over. It got so bad that we're told it was not uncommon to see a rib torn out of the body and fly through the air. Excruciating beating. They spit upon him. They, they mocked him. They beat a crown of thorns into his head. And then they would put this rough, hewn, probably borrowed from a previous execution, wooden beam on his back, probably weighing 100 pounds, and make him carry it to his own place of execution. After a sleepless night, after being traumatically beating, blood loss. It, matter of fact, it was so tough and so difficult, he couldn't make it because he was fully man. So they, they had to grab a guy named Siren from Serene and, and, and make him carry Jesus' cross the rest of the way to the skull. There they would lay him down and and they would drive five to seven inch metal spikes through his hands and feet on the cross. And you can imagine the soldiers doing this. You can imagine all of the criminals that they had crucified throughout all their years. You know that not one of those criminals went down without a fight. You know they were screaming, they were fighting. It took, it took no matter how bad you had been beaten, it took soldiers to hold you down. It would me, it would you. You're fighting with everything within you to not be crucified, to not have a, a, a spike driven in your hands and feet. But this Friday in particular, this Jesus in particular was so different. You know that it had to begin to mess with the minds of the soldiers when this man who comes to them that they don't even recognize as a man as we're told by the prophets, that he wouldn't resemble, he would have been beaten so bad that he wouldn't resemble a human being even. And you know that when, when Jesus, who is just a, a, a mangled piece of flesh and blood and his eyes are swole shut, his lips are burst open, his hair's pulled out. He has no skin at all on his back, no muscle on his back. And when he gets there, rather than fighting like every other criminal, like every other person that they were going to nail to the cross, he didn't fight. He laid out his hands. He didn't kick. He stretched out his feet because no man takes his life. 
he gave it. And then after he was nailed to the cross, after all that, they would, they would lift this cross, and you know that when it went down into the, to the hole, the thud, uh, the jarring effect was absolutely excruciating. And you see, death by crucifixion typically was not a death uh, where you died from the blood loss. It was a death of asphyxiation. Because as you hung there with your hands nailed and your feet nailed and you were worn from the beating and your body would slump and all the body weight would press down on your diaphragm and you couldn't breathe. And so what would you do? You would try to get a breath. You would try to gasp. And what would you do? You would pull yourself up with your hands to get a breath until you couldn't get a breath and then you would go back down until you couldn't pull yourself up and then you would push with your feet and you would get a breath and imagine over and over every breath with a raw open back on a rough hewn wooden cross, the splinters digging in further. That's what we call good. Does that sound weird to you? That we call that good? We call it good. This is Good Friday, not Horrible Friday. It's Good Friday, why? Well, to understand, you have to go back to the beginning, all the way to the beginning, to Adam and Eve. You see, God created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the Garden of Eden, and, 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 and most of you know the story. Some of you may not know the story, but he told them they could eat from any tree in the garden except the tree in the center uh, of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and, and he said, but when you do, you will die. When you disobey, you will die. When you sin, you will die. And we all know what happened. Adam and Eve, Adam fell. Adam sinned. But Adam just didn't fall by himself. You see, when he fell, he fell for all of us. He represented all of us in that fall. He represented all of us with that sin. And, and, and because he sinned, uh, God and his justice went into action and death occurred. It, death occurred immediately, and then death would occur later. Death occurred immediately uh, spiritually as Adam and Eve became separated from God. They were spiritually dead. They were running from God. They were hiding from God after enjoying life with God. Now they were running from God. They were, the stench of death was all around them spiritually. And we know later they would die physically because of death. That's why people die, because of sin. Because it was the price for sin, was death. And Adam represented all of us. It's called inherited sin. He fell for me and he fell for you. I mean, his fall was, uh, brought me down and it brought you down and, and, and that's it. But God in the middle of that preached some good news. He preached the gospel in Genesis 3.15. It's the first gospel, actually. God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between uh, your offspring and hers, and who was he talking to? Not Adam, he was talking to Satan. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, 
and you shall bruise his heel. The offspring that God's talking about, just to shorten it up here as much as I can, the offspring was Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the perfect one, the Son of God. That was the offspring of the woman. God preached in Genesis 3, the first gospel that said, I will bring redemption. I will bring one who can pay the price. I will bring one who will take your cross. I will bring one who will die your death. I will, take, I will bring one who will suffer the torture you should suffer for your sin. And that offspring was Jesus. And I want you to notice how God worded it. It was so amazing. He said, he was talking to Satan and he said, uh, you, you will bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. Think about as a man, was, it would be coming down to stomp the head of a snake. And that snake, would, that serpent would come up and strike him on, on the heel. It would wound him. But when he came down on the head of that snake and crushed that snake, it would kill and destroy and triumph over the snake. It's exactly what happened. The very means in which Satan attacked Christ God used that to destroy and triumph over Satan. He used the very means that he attacked him because on that cross, Christ was bloodied, he was battered, he was bruised, he was beaten, he was beyond recognition. He struck his heel. He struck his heel right there. He was wounded fatally in his humanity. That was at the place of the skull. But we call it good because Jesus' death was triumph. Because what was the price for sin? Death. Death. For when you sin, you will die. And Romans, Paul tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And he triumphed over Satan when he crushed his head with his death at the place of the skull. He triumphed over sin. The cross breaks the power of Satan because it breaks the power of sin. In verse 34, it says, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Think about that for just a moment, if you will. Think about the description of, of, of torture that I just described to you. The beating, the mocking, the, 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 the spitting, the crown of thorns, these people drove into his head. They ripped the skin off his back. They nailed him to a cross and they jeered at him. And he hung there naked to be humiliated. Naked before the world to see. And what did Jesus do? As he looked down upon them. Forgive them, Father. Is that what you would have said? It's not what I would have said. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. How could he say that to the people who just hung him there, who just beat him, who just murdered him, and he knew he was dying? How could he say, forgive them, Father? 
Because that's who he is. Because that's why he came. To die the death for sin. That's who he is. Our Savior is is that amazing. They cried out, he saved others. He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one, Jesus could have saved himself, folks. You, You know that. He's God. Oh, his, his blood and his, his battered body proved he was human, but he was fully God. He could have saved himself, but he wouldn't save himself. No one can take his life. He's God. He gave his life. He laid it down willingly. Why? Because there was only one way to triumph over sin. To pay for it to pay for it because the price for sin was death and God's law demands justice. Every sin we've ever committed, every sin you've ever committed, every sin you ever will commit will be paid for. There's no exception, no escape from the accountability of God's justice. You see, God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy, but God is a God of justice. You see, that's what we see when we look at the cross. We see an instrument of torture that we love because it's the instrument that brought healing to us, but we also see as the vertical beam intersects with the horizontal beam, we see this great place where a great collision occurred between the justice of God and the grace of God what we see it was it was an amazing place of grace but oh it was an amazing place of justice because God is a just God God can't look over our sin God can't just allow our sin to be swept under the rug he he can't uh, be belittled in that way his glory was attacked by our sin his honor was attacked by our sin his holiness his purity was attacked by our sin he couldn't just gloss over that and forget it and say oh don't worry about it just as you wouldn't if someone had dishonored your child, maligned your child, just as if someone had had harmed you or your children or your wife or your family, you would never let a judge get away with just saying, oh, it's okay. You couldn't. You would demand justice. There had to be justice. God's wrath had to be poured out against sin. God is a holy God. His wrath had to be poured out. Oh, but here's the the, the other side of that is he's so gracious. He doesn't pour it out on those who believe in Jesus. He poured it out on Jesus for those who believe in Jesus. It's just mind-boggling to me. I don't get it. Really, you can't get your mind around that, to be quite honest. That Jesus took all that beating and torture and hung on that cross. That was meant for me. He died the death I should have died. He took the punishment I should have had. He paid for the sin that I could never pay for. 
See, only a perfect man can die and give his life to pay the price for sin of a sinful man. My death wouldn't be like the death of any other man. It couldn't pay for my own sin, let alone yours. But he was perfect. And God, in his absolute sovereign decree, in his infinite wisdom, decreed that his son would die the death for all who believes. And when he did, he broke the power of sin. That's why I can say there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. There's none. You see, he didn't, didn't die for the sin I committed yesterday or last year. He didn't just die for the sin I committed 10 years ago. He, he, he died for the sin I committed today, but he died for the sin I'll commit tomorrow. And his death applies to the sin I'll commit next year if I'm still here. And in 10 years, every sin, guaranteed, it's forgiven. It no longer has power over me. Why? How do I know that? Because he promised there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's why it's so good. That's why it's so good. It's just Good Friday, because his death paid for my sin. His death triumphed over Satan. His death triumphed over sin. And his death was triumph for the saints, folks. It was for you and for me. And here's the beautiful thing. When Jesus died, this, this miraculous thing that only God could do. When Jesus died, the moment you believe in him, Christian... Listen, Christian, this, this ought to just absolutely just wreck you tonight. When, when, when Jesus died, and, and the moment you believe in him, he supernaturally, miraculously, spiritually reached into your soul. He took every sin that you've ever committed. It doesn't matter what sin that is. He died, it doesn't matter what sin that is. Tonight, if it's adultery, if you're a Christian, if it's lying, if it's stealing, if it's whatever, he took murder, he took every sin. There's not a sin that he said, oh, that's too big to handle. He took them all and he took them from your soul. He, 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 he took them from you, but it gets better than that. Not only did he take my sin away, not just the sin I've already committed, but the sin I'm going to commit because I am guaranteed no condemnation. I am right before God. He did that supernaturally. He did that miraculously, but it gets better. It gets like, I can't even, I, I can't even really explain it. He takes my sin and then here's what he does. He clothes me with a robe of righteousness. He gives me the righteousness of Christ. It's just like, I can't understand it really. I can't understand it. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. He exchanged my sin, my badness for his righteousness, for his goodness, which means always throughout all of eternity for the rest of my life, Christian in your life, God will always look at you and he will look at you through Jesus and your righteous standing before him will never be taken away. Is that not a, I just can't fathom that really. It's that good. It's that good. Doesn't mean I don't sin, I do. Oh, I sin. But my standing before God, I don't always act righteous, do I? You know me well. If you know me, you know I don't. I don't always act righteous. But I am righteous in my standing before God. So I'm a saint. That's why you're a saint. Christian, that's what God calls you. Oh, it's so good. 
Can you believe how good that is? I mean, can you literally believe that? That's why I can stand before you tonight and say that my wife right now is before the throne of God. Because she was a saint. She was a saint. And here's what Jesus did for her. He triumphed over Satan. He triumphed over sin. And he triumphed for his saints. And if that don't give you hope, and if that don't motivate you to live your life in a different way, if that don't motivate you to praise Jesus, if that don't motivate you, I don't know what will. And what we're gonna do right now is we're just gonna pause and we're gonna do what Jesus did on Thursday night before Friday. You see, on Thursday night when he met with his disciples, he was, he was uh, celebrating the Passover, did it for 32 years as a Jew. But that night he blew his disciples' minds again because in the middle of that, he, he just went off script and he transformed that Passover into the, 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 the Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper, just giving us something to always remember and proclaim the gospel because some of you tonight might not be the Christian that I talked about. You might not have applied Jesus' blood. He might not have reached into your life and pulled the sin and, and gave you that robe of righteousness. He might not have done that yet. Tonight, man, I hope tonight's the night. Because what we're gonna do is for Christians. It's not for those who are not Christians. It's not because, man, we're trying to be exclusive. It's because we're, 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 this is a symbol of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and it applies to the saints. It applies to the saints. And so if you're a saint, not that you act like one all the time, <laughs> but if you are a saint, if you're a believer, this is for you. This is for you to remember. And if you're not a believer, this is what we're told, to proclaim his death until he comes. The gospel, you've heard tonight in a great story. I didn't have to preach a word, but a preacher's gotta preach anyway. Man, it was beautiful. What a great job, Travis and our musicians and how they put that story together. Phenomenal. But I, I, it was fun. I was thinking, why, am I, why, why do I get up and say anything? So I, I, I'm just going to shut up and we're just going to do it. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, and uh, I'll, I'll be here at a table. And, uh, some of our, uh, our, our elders, our campus pastors, uh, I, I don't know. Some of our folks will be, we got two tables in the back and we got uh, four, five, six tables up front. And we got a packed house, okay? And that's awesome, because here's what we're gonna do. Uh, Travis is gonna come in a moment, and he's gonna begin to lead us, and I don't want you to just get up as soon as I say, I mean, if you're ready, you can, right? But I want you to sit in your seat, and I want you to contemplate the story that you've heard tonight, the reality, the true story. Not based on a true story. You've heard the true gospel tonight. You've seen it, you've sung it, and, and, and when you're ready, because Paul, the church in Corinth, they had this funny way of, uh, of, like us, of just getting out in the weeds sometimes, and they were taking it, and they were taking it frivolously, and, 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 and it was just, a, it, was a, it was a mess, and so Paul come in, he said, whoa, 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 you need to examine yourself before you take communion to see if there's any sin 
within you, not because that sin keeps you from Christ, but because that sin is, is still an affront to God, you need to confess it. So here's what we're gonna do. As, as we begin to sing tonight, as we begin to, to, to worship again, uh, man, you, when you're ready, I'm ready to take it. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna come to one of these six tables. I know Wagdi's at a table, our Arabic pastor. I know Joey Ramon, Jose Ramon is at a table, our uh, Hispanic pastor. Uh, we don't care. I mean, man, uh, we don't care which table you go to. We're one. Yes. We're one body. Okay? So, I mean, you, if you go to Riverdale. I know, Kyle, I'd probably go to somebody else. <laughs> Kidding. He, we, we've served together for 20 years and been in ministry together for, golly, I don't know, 30 probably. So I love the guy. Go to whichever table you want. When you're ready, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a cup and a piece of bread. And the cup is going to represent the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, that night, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. Remember, they had no clue. He's going off script from Passover. What? And, and, and tomorrow, it would make a little more sense. But they'd be so traumatized tomorrow, they wouldn't remember it until later. This is my broken body. The wine, this is my spilled blood. We use juice. If anyone, just if anyone has any issue with, with that, we, we don't want to set you back. We use juice so you're safe. So, Tonight, we're gonna to give you a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ, a piece of, uh, a, a, a small cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ. You take it right here and you just dump the, 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 the cup in the trash can here and you can go back to your seat and continue to worship. Here's what we're gonna do as well. Uh, some of your kids, this is for. Some of your kids, this is not for. It's for Christians. So if your child is not a believer yet, hold them back. Great opportunity. I've, I've had five kids. I've wrestled through them with all, all, you know, all five of them with this, which is beautiful. Gives me an opportunity to go home and tell them why they couldn't take communion. But I, I firmly believe you will, son, one day or daughter one day when, when Jesus saves your soul. It's a great opportunity for you to share the gospel. But we're gonna, you're going to tell us whether we give them because I don't, I don't know. We don't all know. So we, you, you as a parent dictate whether your small children take communion tonight, Okay. So we're gonna take communion to remember why this was so good. I'm gonna pray, and if our, uh, if our staff will get in place, Travis, if you'll take the reins, uh, and you come when you're ready, and then you go back to your seat and worship, and we'll finish out all together when we're complete. Father, we love you. Thank you that this is so good of a Friday. God, we know that what happened on that specific Friday was terrible. But God, it was so good for us. God, there's no condemnation. God, there is literally freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. And when you saved us, you put your spirit within us and there is freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, thank you for that. God, on, fr on Thursday before you died on Friday, you gave us this symbol, the symbolic meal that we're getting ready to partake in to help us to remember to reset us, Lord, to proclaim the gospel. And tonight, Lord, I pray that we would take this cup and take this bread 
with sincerity, remembering who you are, what you've done, and reset our life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.